Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in. I am, uh, I am looking forward to sharing the Word of God this morning. And, uh, oh, the enemy fought hard. And I'll be real with y'all, I had two different messages I needed to preach or needed to be preached for this final of this series. And I had one that I wanted to preach. And, uh, and then the enemy, the devil, I have to call him, even though he's defeated, I'm going to say some, some opposition arised. And the Lord quickly showed me that I needed to change what I was talking about this week. Amen? So we have two messages left in this series, Culture, and we're talking about our values as a church, and we're going through our values and various things um, that our church has been built on. And, um, and so we got two two messages left, and the last two messages, one deals with giving, amen, one deals with giving, amen, one deals with giving, come on somebody, and then the other one deals with loving people, which in church, for some reason, is two very hard topics. (laughs) that people don't want to typically talk about. So, we're going to this week, the Lord told me, and um, Logan, you're going to be mad at me, but the Lord told me I need to go ahead and talk about loving people this week. And so, uh, Logan was going to preach this one, but he's just going to preach it again some other time. Amen. Which will happen in the next few weeks. Um, but I felt very strongly that God said I needed to talk about our value today, which is love unhinged. Somebody say love, love. unhinged. Love, love. Unhinged. unhinged. Say this with me. Say we champion and radically love all people. What is all? Who is all? Who is all? What does the Bible command us to do? Love who? Who? I I mean, I thought the Bible said just church people. I thought the Bible said just love white people. I thought the Lord Bible said just love black people, Hispanic people. No? I thought the Bible said I should just love New Zealanders. All people. Come on, somebody. So today I want to deal with this topic of loving unhinged, loved unhinged. Radically loving all people, amen? Uh, 
It's going to get a little tight. Just going to go ahead and tell you that up front. This is a very, very important message. I, I was praying, and, and I'm telling you, God told me this is, a, this is probably one of the most important messages of this entire series. Amen? Amen. And I want you to hear that. So I want you to know that I love you. I also want to say something to you, okay? I don't know why. I, I shouldn't have to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Okay? Uh, you need, I, I want you to be mature enough to research and search out for yourself. Amen? I want you to be mature enough to look at the scriptures and open the word of God and discern the scriptures for yourself. Listen, I want you to hear something. Paul said these words in the scripture. And the church forgets about the scripture all the time. And we, we, we read the Bible and we skip over this skip scripture for some reason. But Paul said, as he was talking, about, uh, talking to them about what he can do in his life. What's, what, how do you live a God life? A godly life. Paul said these words. This is what Paul said, okay? I didn't say it, Paul said it. Paul said, everything is permissible to me. In other words, he said, I can do whatever I want. Now, I know we hear that in church and we're like, oh, Oh, Pastor Fred, don't tell everybody they can do whatever they want. I can do whatever. Paul said it. Paul said, I can do whatever I want. But this is what Paul said. I want you to hear this. Paul stapled that statement with this. But not all things are beneficial for me. I can do whatever I want. But not all things are beneficial. I can do whatever, but my whatever may come with consequences. It's not right for my life. Amen. That is what we call maturity in faith. As a believer, we are to mature in our faith. We don't need the preacher to tell me how to live. Okay, all right. We don't need the preacher to tell me what color clothes I should wear and how I should dress today. Come on. Discernment, spiritual. Those who are called the sons of God are led by the Spirit. Amen? And believe me, if you feel some kind of way when you put it on, it's probably the Lord telling you to feel some kind of way. Hey, come on, right? If you feel some kind of way when you say that sentence that you said to that person that you said it to, it's probably the Holy Spirit checking your spirit, letting you know this is not a beneficial thing for you. Amen? That's how we overcome. We mature in faith. We listen to the Lord. We are guided by the Spirit. Amen? Amen. 
I just wanted to throw that out there. I don't know why I had to say it, but I need to say it. Anyways, let's go. Matthew 22. And we're going to read verses 34 through 40. And it says this. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they called a meeting to discuss how to trap Jesus. They wanted him a religious scholar or a lawyer posed this question to test him. They posed this question. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? Jesus answered him. Love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart, with all the energy of your being, and with every thought that is within you. This is the great and supreme command. And the second is like it in importance. You must love your friend or your neighbor in the same way or as you love yourself. Right? Contained within these commandments to love, you will find all the meaning of the law and the prophets. The essence of the law and the prophets and the meaning and what the law was intended to do is found in those two things. Love God, love people. That's what Jesus said, right? Okay, let's go to John chapter 13, verse 31. To 35, it says, after Judas left the room, Jesus said, the time has come for the glory of God to surround the man, the son of man, and God will be greatly glorified through what happens to me. All right? He'll be greatly glorified through what happens to me. And very soon, God will unveil the glory of the son of man. My dear friends, I only have a brief time left to be with you, and then you will search and long for me. But I, will, but I tell you what I told the Jewish leaders, you will not be able to come where I am. So... I give you a new. Anybody catch that? Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the old? In the covenant. What is the greatest commandment? Jesus, when John says, so I give you a new commandment. Love each other just as much as I have loved who? What? Hold on. Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm going to come back to that. Love each other just as much. For when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you are my true followers. Preaching message today titled Love Unhinged and I believe God's going to speak to us. Lord, thank you for what you're going to do in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. We champion and radically love all people. Say that with me. We champion and radically love all people. I don't have a lot of time, so I'm going to get right into it. These two scriptures that we just read, two, two very important scriptures in the word. We find two different situations going on here. The first situation, there's religious leaders sitting around listening to Jesus teach. And they keep asking him questions, and Jesus keeps shutting them down. Amen? Shutting them down. Sadducees come up to him, they come up with their best, and Jesus pivots. Uh-uh. Take that. Shutting them down. Jesus is straight up 
like Steph Curry in this room. They think they're winning, then he drops 40 points in him and just takes the whole game, okay? Listen, listen. They are so bent on trying to trap Jesus. They're asking question after question, going thing after thing, doing all this stuff. So the Pharisees heard that the, the Sadducees didn't, couldn't win. Come on, somebody. So the Pharisees said, well, we're going to step up. We're going to do our thing. Because obviously the Sadducees weren't ready. You know, they didn't train enough. And we're going to come and do our thing. So the Pharisees show up. And after they heard that they couldn't trap Jesus, they decide we're going to try to trap him. Somebody say trap him. So we get to this and the Pharisees discuss how to trap him. And then one of them poses this question, teacher, which commandment in the what in the law is the greatest? I want you to hear this. Jesus says, oh, that's easy. Love God. Love your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. All that, you know what I'm saying? Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the law. That's the greatest commandment in the law. And he says, the essence of the law and the prophets are all wrapped up in these two commandments. Love God. Love people. Hold on, though. Because we in church like to say love God and love people. But that's an inaccurate description of what it is actually asking of you. It's not just love God. It's love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Catch that. In church we say, oh, love God. No, love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. It's not just a simple, I love God. It's, I got to put all this other stuff in it, too. Because the law always requires a little bit extra. Okay, all right. We're we're going to keep on moving. We also like to say in church, love people. Somebody say love people. We like to simplify it, but it's not that simple the way Jesus put it. You don't just love people, you love your neighbor as yourself. Okay. You love your neighbor as yourself. Now I got to be honest with you, I have many times preached a message from this topic and I'm thinking this is the greatest thing and we got to do this and this is what we should live by. But I saw something in the scripture when I was studying this week. This was not Jesus's commandment. This is an old, this is from the law. This was not Jesus' commandment. It was the law. Actually, when we read the scripture, if we put it in context, all Jesus is doing is giving them an answer to a question they ask. And for years and for years and for years, the church 
as we like to talk about, and, <coughs> and listen guys, y'all know how I am. I'm, I, I want to refrain from mixture, amen. And when we get into mixture, <coughs> we find here, as good as this sounds and as good as it is, it's still a very law-based thought and reality. And it's not Jesus' commandment to us. It's not a part of the new covenant that we have with the Lord. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love people. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I know some people are sucking air up their rear end right now because they're like, oh, my God, how are you going uh, to attack that scripture right there, Fred? And I'm going to tell you something. The law is the law. Even as good as it sounds, you'll never be able to keep it. And it, it dawned on me the reason why we struggle so much in the church is because we've been trying to keep a law instead of following Jesus' commandment. And we've told people, you know, this is what we got to do as a church. And, and we preach this. This is how we preach we should love everybody as ourselves. The problem is most of us don't love ourselves. And when we don't love ourselves, we can't love other people. And why can't we love other people? Because our love is always inconsistent for ourselves. Wow. Oh, you can't love yourself like God loves you. And many of us, we love ourselves based on how much we love God. And we wrap our self-love in how much we love God by our actions and what we do for God. Okay, all right. And so the commandment of the law here gets you trapped in a cycle because you try to love God with all your mind, your heart, and your soul, and you fail, and then you don't like yourself. And guess what you do to other people? Mistreat them. That's the law. The law breeds sin. The law, as the Bible describes it, gives life to sin. Religious in our ways, religious in how we serve God, religious in how we love people, does not bring life. It gives life to sin. And it hit me hard. You know, the church... Oh, man, I was reading this. I almost had a Baptist fit. I'm talking about through my Bible and everything. Because the reality is, this is not the commandment of Jesus. You know what? For years, I have lived by this. I love God all my heart, mind, and soul. I got to love people as I love myself. And I done preached it. Oh, you got to love everybody like you love yourself. And I done preached it. But we'll never be able to keep that. Because the law is a slave master. It keeps you in a cycle. There's no freedom in it. We get over to John 13 and Jesus says, I'm about to be gone, guys. I won't be around. But before I leave, let me give you a new commandment. Oh, okay, okay. Let me break out some new covenant teaching for you guys. 
Because I came and fulfilled the law, so let me leave you with something that you need to understand. This is what he says. So I give you a new commandment. Love each other just as much as I. The law says love based on you. Jesus says love based on me. The law, oh, okay, okay. The law is works. Jesus' commandment is don't do it in your own strength, do it in my strength. If you can't figure out how to love people, look at how much I love you. Oh, and here's how we have to define this. Jesus loved us enough to die on a cross for us when we didn't even deserve it. He loved us enough to give his life for us. We didn't deserve it. He loves us enough that he would sacrifice all for us and we don't even deserve it. I give you a new commandment. Love as I love you. Love as I love you. Love as I love you. Hold on. Love one another as I love you. But Fred, you don't know this co-worker I got. I'd be wanting to slap her in Jesus' name. <laughs> Come on, somebody. I want to fill her with the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. I feel like the Lord is leading me to lay on these hands in Jesus' name. Love as I have loved you. Love as I have loved you. I love that Jesus even takes it further. He says, for when you dis demonstrate the same love, I have for you by loving one another. Hold on. Then people will know you love me. What did Jesus just do here? He flipped this whole law up. See, the law said love God, love, love God with all your heart, mind, and soul first. Then love people as you love yourself. That's what the law said. Jesus said, no, 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 love people as I have loved you, then people will know that you love me. Love people as I love you, and then people will know that you love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love, show that same love to one another, and that's how people will determine if you have been bought with the price paid for by the cross, all of these things. Love like I love you for one another. Demonstrate that. What is demonstrate? Demonstrate is an action. It's not just saying it. It's not a thought. It's not just sitting around looking. It is an action. It is an action. It is actively in action, moving in love. Come on, somebody. Demonstration goes more beyond posting on social media. 
Oh, okay, y'all don't want to hear me up in the church today, and that's fine. I'll preach to the people online. Demonstration goes far beyond social media. I can tell you I love you all day long, but if I'm hateful to you in person, it doesn't mean a thing. Come on, somebody. I can tell you I love you all day long, and then I can talk about how you by your back, and guess what? It still is a problem. Love is how I love you. Demonstrate that love, and that's how they will know you're my followers. You know, we've, we've spent so much time trying to figure out how to win the world. I'll tell you one way we can start by winning the world. We can start winning the world by at least being nicer to one another. Okay. We spend most time in church fighting. Over stuff that don't even make sense. Oh. Guys, do you understand the church arguments we have sometimes? It's crazy. Why are we arguing about it? And we wonder why people don't want to come to the church and they don't want to be a part of the body of Christ. Why? Because we can't even get our stuff right. We ain't arguing. We're crabs in the bucket. We tear down our own. We let our difference in viewpoints separate us to the point where it becomes division. Uh Uh-huh. And we call it Christian. They ain't going to hear me today. All right. I had somebody tell me yesterday, stir the pot. I said, I'm going to stir it, put it on boil, kick it off. So we're going to love at Prevail. We're going to love unhinged because here's something I want you to understand about this church. There are a few things I will not tolerate. I will not tolerate us being nasty to people. I will not tolerate us being hateful. Listen, I, I, I tell people all the time, I, I'm very hands-off with a lot of things when I'm pastoring. Come on, somebody. Very hands-off. But I will pick up the phone and call you and text you and email you and show up at your house if I see some hatefulness coming from you that is dangerous. And it's not to be mean, but it's because I want to, to I, I feel so strongly about this situation and this topic because I think it matters to the heart of God how we treat people. We cannot call ourselves children of God and be mean and hateful to people. There ain't nothing you can say to convince me otherwise. There ain't no argument you can come at me with that that's going to make me be like, oh yeah, that's great. I was just going to hate somebody today. It's not going to happen. Amen? So if we're going to love unhinged, somebody say love unhinged. There's a few things I feel like God will speak to us today and tell us that we can know. First thing is, if we're going to love unhinged, we have to know that God honors culture. God honors culture. 
Now, I've heard many times in many different churches, and I've been around for a minute, and I've heard people say that, oh, you know, when you get in the, <clears throat> you get in the body of Christ, there's no Greek, no Jew, no, you know, and all that stuff. And they use that scripture to say that we no longer can claim our blackness or our whiteness or whatever, whatever it is, you know, is, okay? And they say, oh, we have to deny our culture and we have to deny ourselves and the, our ways and our self, you know, and it sounds so abusive when it comes to church because we have to, you know, give up all of our dreams and, and we just have to make sure that the pastor can tell us what we do next. And while it is important that your desires become his desires and your will becomes his will, amen, hallelujah, come on somebody. I do not believe that there's scripture to support that God denies people's culture. I actually believe there's scripture to support the idea that God honors culture. I look over at Acts 2, Acts 2 verses 5 through 13. I'm going to read them to you real quick. It says, that, and there was dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Listen to the scripture. Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Culture. And when the sound had occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because every one of them heard them speak in his own language. Culture. They were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are all these not who speak Galileans? Culture. And how is it that we hear each of us in our own language, which we were born? Culture. Parthians and Medes, Elamites, or whatever it is, and those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia. Oh man, so many names. Culture. I would, I would mess them all up. Culture. It was like uh, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya and Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and pros proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our tongues, culture, the wonderful works of God. God honors culture. That is six verses of people determining that they heard the gospel all of us are different. All of us have different tongues. All of us have different languages. But we heard the marvelous works of God in our own language from people who weren't even from where we're from. So you're going to tell me God doesn't honor culture? If we look at Acts, God honors culture so much that he will send somebody in your situation who knows nothing about your culture and still use them to speak gospel to you in the language in which you understand it. God honors culture. And we got to stop in church, and I'm going to say this, and I'm going to make a little few people mad, and it's okay. But we got to stop telling people to deny who they are. When I was when we were in the pandemic, I got so tired of hearing people telling me that, oh, in the kingdom of God, you, you're not black anymore. 
Well, tell that to a police officer when I'm driving down the road. I don't get to say that when I get pulled over. Oh, by the way, I'm in the kingdom of God. You're not looking at a black man. He a black. You better get out of the car. Black, white, I don't care who you is. You, you and your kingdom behind going to jail. Yeah. A to the man. We don't get, to, and I get, I get the essence of what we're trying to say, and we do need to be able to get to the point where we lay down some of these things that we have called that have defined us and call us who we are, and we let society direct us because we shouldn't let culture of our of our of our society determine who we are in God. Amen. Amen. But God does not deny your culture. Right. He speaks to you where you are. I will go on to say that God actually values culture. Look at the tower in Babel. They had one language. They were all getting there and becoming one unit and all these different things. Robots, identical, exactly the same. And God went down there and confused the language. Why? Because I believe that God loves your individuality. And he loves your uniqueness. And he loves what makes you quirk and different. Because he can use you to do some great works. You know, I say it all the time. We can be together and not the same. Together, not the same. I love y'all, but if we all thought the same, and acted the same, we would be boring. Yeah. Or we would always be tired. Yeah. Come on, somebody. Yeah. If y'all all came in here and jumped around and acted crazy like me, we'd all be tired. <laughs> and the church would smell like nothing but arms. Come on, somebody. <laughs> we'd be giving deodorant out at the door. Bless God, amen. <laughs> the first time feels a you're going to need to put this mask on here, man, because it's going to get real crazy in here. And just... We have to honor our dad. If God made me and Aaron to be the same, our marriage would be boring. Come on, somebody. The differences make us unique. The differences bring life, brings conversation. It brings interaction. It brings, come on, somebody. And to say that God denies culture and that because now you're saved, you're no longer black or white and all these different things, the devil's a liar. He doesn't deny your culture and he doesn't deny the experience that comes with your culture. And when we can get to this fact that we understand that God on his culture, we can really begin to reach people because we begin to know what shapes their mentality. Okay. I cannot reach somebody that I fail to understand. Amen? Next thing is this is to, to, we have to recognize that everyone receives differently. Oh my God, that is so deep. Everyone receives differently. 
In Acts 2.11, the second part of it says, we hear them speaking in our own tongue, in our own, in our own tongues. We hear them speaking in our own tongues. The marvelous works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what could this mean? Hold on. But others mocking said, they are full of wine, full of new wine. Somebody say everyone receives different. All of them heard, all of them heard in their own tongues, two responses happened. People were amazed, a little perplexed. How in the world is this happening? These Galileans speaking to me, and, and I hear the marvelous works of God, and they're celebrating, and they're amazed because they're celebrating, but they're a little complex, you know, perplexed because they're like, how is this happening? This is not y'all. This is crazy. I, I've never seen such a thing. Oh, my God. You know, that'd be me. What in the world? Did he just, what? Listen, brah, he just spoke Fred. Y'all know I got my own language. And he said, and so he, he said, they hear the word, word of God and it's marvelous. And then some of them are perplexed and they're amazed and they're, 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 they're drawn in. But others were mocking. He said they're full of new wine. And the reality is everybody receives different. Everybody ain't going to receive like you're going to receive. Come on, somebody. Listen, and you know what I love? The Bible never tells us what happens with the people who, who, uh, who were mocking. Some were mocking. Yes. And that's all it tells us. There was a group of people there that made fun of them. Because they were like, bro, these guys are drunk. I hear, I hear the gospel in my language, but they drunk. I know Peter, you too, Peter. And that's what they were doing. But you know what, what the Bible does tell us? When you read a few scriptures down, it said, and 3,000 were saved that day. 3,000 came into the Lord that day. I don't care if you mock me and you tell me, it doesn't matter. Because if you hear the gospel, whether you think I'm drunk or not, the gospel will do the work. And I guarantee you, God will end that thing with, yeah, they were full of wine, but I'm saved now. And imagine that story, sitting down with their grandkids. Man, let me tell you what happened. I was in, uh, I was in the Jerusalem. Uh, whew, man, I was in, uh, was in Jerusalem. Man. Chilling. And these dudes came out and they started speaking. And I heard the guys. Ah! I'm speaking Fred right now. Y'all, some of y'all are like, what is he saying? I'm speaking Fred. Okay? Aaron speaks fluent Fred. She can tell you what I just said. And I heard this and I heard that. And I'm going to tell you, boy, I, I thought they were drunk. I'm going to tell everybody, these guys are drunk. These guys are drunk. But then I just kept hearing what they were saying and something drew me. And I'm telling you, I met Jesus that day. I don't care how the story started. How the story ends is what matters. Everyone receives different. 
Amen? Everybody ain't going to study like you. Everybody ain't going to worship like you. Everybody, God did not make robots. He made people. He did not make us technology. We are not software people running around that can just be programmed to do whatever. He didn't do it that way. Amen? Amen. Everybody receives differently. Which leads me to my next thing. If we're going to recognize, if we're going to do that, we have to realize that everyone is uniquely formed by God. God doesn't deny culture. And because you are now a part of church and in the kingdom of God doesn't mean that you were removed from your culture. You know what God does with culture? He doesn't remove it. He redeems it. God doesn't remove culture. He redeems it. And the problem with a lot of us Okay, all right, listen to me. The problem with a lot of us is we don't like our uniqueness. Psalms 139, 14 through 18 says, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, uh, the days that were formed for me, and when, I, when as yet there was none of them. How precious are your thoughts, O God, and how vast is the sum of them. I would, if I would count them, they are more than saying, I awake and I am still with you. You are uniquely made by God. You are uniquely formed by God. Are you hearing me? You are uniquely formed. You are uniquely made by God. And there is a lot going on in churches right now and a lot of places and a lot of churches are telling us not to be us-centered and, you know, and we talk. Can I just share something with y'all? Because I need to get it off my chest because I had somebody tell me this week that, you know, uh, this church is is hyper-grace and uh, and me-focused. And I thought to myself, the devil is a liar. That's, that's, we're, we're all, the, the grace I talk about is not about me focus. It's about you turning your life over to Christ and telling him that you're in control. It's not my works, it's his works. It's not what I do, it's his way he do. That ain't me focused, that's Jesus focused. Come on somebody. And when I focus on Jesus and I let him do the work, he does, it does look like he's taking care of me. Why? Because he cares for me. And I'm tired of us, uh, 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 I'm tired of the church telling people that they cannot, they cannot enjoy self-care. This is why people leave the church. This is why people get depressed. This is why people take their own lives because they don't even spend no time taking care of them. And we preach it as noble in the church. sorry, but if I look at scripture, Jesus often went off by himself to pray. 
And I guarantee you, today we would call Jesus me-focused. You know what Jesus talked about? It's his kingdom. Talked about loving him. Oh, 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 Jesus stood up and actually said these words. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody can get to him. You know what the church would have did today to him? Are you crazy? They did exactly then what we probably would do today. Let's crucify this man. Because he's talking outside the lines of what we have deemed as okay. You are uniquely formed by God. Woven in the depths of the earth. God put his hands on you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I need some of y'all to get this in your mind. I don't like the way I look right now. God loves you the way you are. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Everything ain't going fearfully and wonderfully made. You are unique. You are different. God didn't make you to be just like everybody else. He made you unique. He made you an individual. And you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Don't you let no devil in hell tell you anything different. And I'm sorry that the church has beat us up so long and told us that we got to, oh, oh, listen, I know some folk going to get mad at this, and I don't care, but I am so tired of the church telling us not to take care of ourselves. And then when you get in church and you start taking care of yourself, oh, you think you too, you just, you just pry, you, uh, you think you all that. No, I don't think I'm all that. I'm just okay with being who I am. Come on, somebody. I had somebody tell me the other day. <laughs> not, it's been a couple weeks ago. But uh, my friend, he he um, he edits messages for a network for a pastor that goes on there, and they <laughs> the pastor takes care of himself. Okay, like he muscular. Okay, like he big old boy. And uh, every now and then, Pastor wear like a, a a nice shirt to you know show off a little muscle. And the network said, uh, "We need y'all to." Uh, uh, he he got too many muscles. <laughs> Hold on, wait a minute. Hold on, wait a minute. So this man's supposed to lose weight to be on your network. He's supposed to not have muscles. The devil's a liar. We built these ideas in church. I remember a long time ago when we first got married, we went to this camp, it was youth camp, and uh, was, was it youth camp? We, I don't know, we were at a church planning thing, and we were with swimming. No, it was a church planting. We were at a church planting thing. We went swimming, and uh, first lady had on a nice swimsuit. Come on, somebody, bless the Lord, amen, hallelujah. Well, nothing crazy, but she And then... Um, 
this guy came out and made this big old deal about it. You know, don't need to be in with two-piece baby suit on, blah, blah, blah. I get it. I get it. I understand. I understand. You know, hey, you got to think. But he said these words, and this is what made me mad. It was almost, it was almost implying that her having a two-piece bathing suit on was the cause of these young men's struggle. And that's the problem right there. That's the problem. Because in church, we go, we'll tell young ladies, don't wear this, don't wear that, because these young men might struggle. And I get it. I understand what we're trying to say. But here's the thing. We also need to deal with the fact that these young men struggle. Okay? Okay? Because we'll tell the lady to wear a certain thing, and then we'll never talk to the young man about his struggle. And then the young man grows up and keeps on struggling, and then the young woman's doing all these changes to make sure that this young man don't struggle who don't really care because his struggle ain't, ain't got nothing to do with her. His struggle is his own struggle, and if it ain't her, he'll go find it somewhere online, something like that. But you get what I'm trying to say. Everybody's made unique. Come on, somebody. And we need to learn how to honor the fact that we're all different. It doesn't make it okay. And we can do, uh, uh, you know, be one, love one another and hold one another accountable in love. But we don't get to give the excuse. Don't be that way and act like that and do that because of this person. That was a lie. That's not maturity. That's not maturity in faith. And that's not how the body of Christ should work. And if we're going to be the kind of church or we're going to be the kind of people that tell people to change how they dress because it might affect this guy, then we need to go tell the guy to change how he is so she don't have to dress like, uh, 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 come on somebody, dress in sackcloth and wool all the time. So he can walk around with his struggle that he's fulfilling in some other place anyway. Oh, I mean, y'all don't want to. Y'all ain't with me today. Y'all ain't with me today. Everyone's uniquely formed by God. Amen? Somebody say everyone is uniquely formed by God. And it's not to be self-centered. But God doesn't refrain you from self-care. Jesus doesn't want us to be self-centered. But he don't want us to be self-damaging either. Man? I'm almost done. If we're going to love people radically, we need to recognize that our job is to open the door to reconciliation. That's our job. What does that mean? Our job as Christians, if we need to label it as a job, if the word, the term job is what you need, to make you feel like you're doing something, a purpose. It really shouldn't be a job, it should be your identity. Wow. But that's not a good thing. But if we need the term of something like a job to open the door to reconciliation, 
is to love people no matter what. Oh, listen, 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 listen. 2 Corinthians 5, 12 through 22 says this, Since we are those who stand in holy awe of the Lord, we make it our passion to persuade others to turn to him. We know that our lives are transparent before God who knows us fully, and I hope that we also are well known to your consciences. <clears throat> Again, we're not taking the opportunity to brag. I'm not going to sit here and take an opportunity to brag because of all the good things that I do and how well I live my life. So Paul said, we're not taking the opportunity to brag, but we're giving you information that will enable you to be proud of us and to answer those who out steam outward appearances while overlooking what's in the heart. Paul said, if you need to know about my works, I'll give you the answer you need to know about my works. Not because I'm trying to brag, but I will give you the answer because uh, I guess you need to be proud of the work I do and I'll give you this answer so you can answer those who esteem outward appearance while overlooking the heart. Those are his words. If we are out of our minds in a blissful, uh, divine ecstasy for God, it is for God. But if we're in our right mind, it is for your benefit. For it is Christ's love that fuels our passion and holds us tightly. Listen, because we are convinced because we are convinced that he has given his life for all of us. This means all die with him. Are you hearing me? So that those who live should no longer live self-absorbed lives, but live lives that are poured out to him, the one who died for us and now lives again. So from now on, we refuse to evaluate people merely by their outward appearances but that's how we once viewed the anointed one but no longer do we see him with limited human sight now if anyone is enfolded into Christ he has become an entirely new person all that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. In other words, it was through the anointing when that God was shepherding the world, not keeping record of their transgressions. And he has entrusted us. Listen to this. He has entrusted us the ministry of opening the door of reconciliation to God. We are ambassadors of the anointing one who carry the message of Christ to the world as though we, God were tenderly pleading with them Directly through our lips. So we tend to plead with you on Christ's behalf. Turn back to God and be reconciled to him. For God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us so that we might become righteousness, the righteousness of God through our union with him. What is the scripture saying? The scripture saying that we don't regard people after their flesh. We don't regard people after their mistakes. We don't look at people's outward appearances and make a judgment on them. We don't look at what people are doing or saying and make judgments on them. We don't do that. Our only thing is to, as though God was pleading with them from our lips, is to reckon them to come back and be reconciled with 
Christ, with God. And how do we do that? We don't do that by shame. We don't do that by uh, shaming culture. We don't do that by canceling people. We don't do that by doing all these things. We don't do that by talking nasty to one another. We don't do that by doing all these things. We do it by telling them the good news about the Savior who died on the cross for them. We do it by telling them, for God made the one who did not know sin to become sin for all of us that we might become the righteousness of God. I'm going to preach right here because we need to learn how to witness to people. This is how we witness to the world. We tell them about the good news of the cross, the finished work of the cross. Listen, we tell them there is somebody that died for you even though you and me didn't deserve it. God made him to be sin on our behalf. God made him to take our issues and he made it a great exchange he took my issues my problems my shortcomings my downfalls my mess ups my hang ups my everything that ain't right in the eyes of everybody else and myself he took all of that and and he put it on Jesus That's what he did. Somebody say, put it on Jesus. He put it on Jesus. He made the one who knew no sin to become sin. And I'm not here. It's not my job. And it's not your job. And it's not our job to judge and be mean and hateful towards people. And there's this idea going through the church right now that, you know what? I'm not talking to the world. The world going to be the world. I'm going to say nasty, hateful things to church people because they should know better. Where does that say that in the scripture? You can't show me that in the scripture. Actually, the scripture says you should love one another. When Jesus said, love one another and they will know you're my, my, my disciples, you know who he was talking to? His disciples. His followers. You know who he was talking to them about? Amongst them. They were acting crazy. Paul and Peter were fighting all the time. Disagreement after disagreement. They argue plenty. God, who's the greatest? Will I sit at your throne? Will I sit your right hand when I do this? And Jesus, over and over, looking at him, saying, Yo, chill out. You, you worry about the wrong thing. You focusing on the wrong thing. You're looking at the wrong thing. You're acting like you're focusing on the minors. None of that matters. What matters is how you love one another. So I give you this command, this new command. I give you this new command. Love one another. I love you. Christ loved us. That's an unhinged love. 
It's not a love steeped in despair. It's not a love out of desperation. It's a love out of choice. It's an unconditional love. It's a love that looks at us and says, I'm going to make you worthy. I'm going to place value in you when everything else is taking value from you. It's a love that looks at people and says, you matter, no matter what you're going through. The other night when I was looking at the scripture, it was last night actually, I was just, I was weeping, I was crying. No, it was Friday night, I was crying. Because there are so many people in this world who will never know the love of Christ, who may never know Christ's love. Church is so visceral and hateful. And we push people away. We don't open doors, we close them. We don't tear down walls, we build them. We burn bridges, we don't build bridges. And we do it all in the name of the Lord. Casey didn't know I was going to preach this message today. I've been actually been praying. Well, how do I land this this plane? I want to I want to leave everybody with a thought, leave everybody with a challenge. How do I land this plane? And he walked in. I saw his hat. Lord, that's it. Love others so radically that they wonder why. Pharrell, can we love others so radically? They begin to inquire, what is it that drives you to love me like that? I'll tell you what it is. Savior, the God, cares for you so much. He would give up everything for you. For he made the one who knew no sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness the intent of the cross so that you become God's, the righteousness of God. You and I. Close our eyes.
don't feel in this room. I want to, I don't want to, I, I want to, I just want, if you are, I know we run a little old time, but I want, you are struggling right now with your righteous identity, I want to pray for you. I need you to hear these words. God loves you unconditionally. So I give you a new commandment. Love each other just as much as I love. Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in.